Okay, we started this series about why a couple weeks ago, and we're trying to tackle some tough questions uh, in the spiritual realm. And it's a question, the why question we ask all the time, either vocally or in our heads. Uh, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is this not happening? So today's specific topic is a basic question. Why should I trust God? Uh, if I was to come up to you and say, why should I trust you? What would be your answer? If you ask me, why should I trust you? What would be your answer? So I got to think about this way. Does it seem like life is always or almost always a constant battle? We're always in some kind of battle, whether it's a, um, a financial battle. We got bills we can't pay. Maybe it's a relationship battle. We got a relationship we can't fix. And your spouse and you are not getting along. Or your child and you are not getting along. Your parent not getting along. Maybe one of your friends, uh, somebody you work with. There's that kind of battle. There's physical battles. Uh, you know, aches and pains we might have. Problems with our bodies. Uh, hips, whatever they might be. Uh, I have a bad knee. And then there's the emotional battles. Whether maybe you're struggling with loneliness or, or depression. And so it seems like we're always in some kind of battle. Um, Either in the middle of the battle, we're coming into a battle, and thankfully, sometimes we're going out of a battle. Well, King David had battles, and we could spend a lot of time talking about him, but approaching an actual physical battle, <laughs> he had this to say in the Psalms. Some trust in chariots, and you and I are in the sum, right? Some of us trust in chariots and some in horses, we might trust in other things like our money or our intellect or something like that. We're trusting other things but God. But he says, what we need to trust in the name of the Lord our God. And it's not like David trusted God all the time. In fact, he asked a lot of why questions. Actually, he asked a, a little slightly different question. It's how long question. This is also in the Psalms. And I believe it's Psalm 13. <clears throat> it starts out this way. How long, Lord, will you continue to ignore me? How long will you pay no attention to me? How long will you just pretend I don't exist? He goes on. How long must I struggle? There's our battle. With anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day. And how long will my enemy have the upper hand? Questions, right? Doubts. We sometimes use the word doubts. God, aren't you paying attention to me? Don't you know I even exist? Why are bad things happening? Why am I, you know, in anguish and have so much struggles? Just a couple of verses down, he, he has his response. But, in spite of all that, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I've experienced your love, I've experienced your rescue, and I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Despite all that, he realized that God is good. So back to our initial question. How do you grow in trust in a God you cannot see? Uh, I got to think of struggles we've been through. Actually, my wife's been through recent years. She had, uh, I forget the name of it, but she had this pain in the base of her skull. And it got so it was almost debilitating. And we prayed about it, of course. So eventually he went to the doctor. And the doctor said whatever it was and had to give her an injection. She said it was the most painful thing she ever experienced. They gave her an injection. And she started feeling better. 
But he said often people need to get a second one. So she got the injection and we keep praying. Until this day, she's never gotten a second one. Then this year, she experienced what was called a frozen shoulder. Never heard of that before. And she couldn't move her, lift her arm. And she did rehab and PT and it still wasn't getting better. She went to a doctor and he said, okay, I'm going to give you another injection. This time in the shoulder. Different doctor. And... Uh, she got better, and she was, did some rehab, and her follow-up to the doctor, you know what the doctor said? Most people need to have a second injection. She didn't have to have a second injection. So, how do you grow to trust a God you cannot see? And so, I don't know about you, but when we have physical ailments, we, we start questioning God. Why is this happening? What should we do? Obviously, we pray about those things. So, I'm going to give you three steps to help you learn how to grow to trust God that you cannot see. First, first thing I want to ask you, is it okay to question God? You think that's okay? Just read that David did it. Yes, God can handle your questions and mine. He's big enough. It doesn't upset him. In fact, on your outline, I put this. We are closer to God when asking questions than when we think we know all the answers. Because when you know all the answers, what are we doing? We're depending on ourselves, right? I don't need you, God. I got this. I got this. <laughs> it's much better when you say, God, I don't, got, I don't have this. I need your help. I don't understand this, etc." It's called seeking. And God says, you seek, you will find. But you have to seek. You have to desire to know. And questions are a desire to know. So we're going to revisit a story we covered last week. Dig into it a little bit more under the... Uh, guidance of the, or the outline today. <clears throat> so Jesus comes upon his disciples who are arguing with some uh, religious leaders. And there's another guy there, a, a dis, uh, distraught father. And so we're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter 9. So Jesus says, what is all this arguing about? So one of the men in the crowd spoke up. This is the distraught father. Teacher, I brought my son so you, could, so you could heal him. Well, actually, I brought him to his disciples to heal. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Now, we know there's evil in the world. There's lots of evil in the world. And it was uh, causing uh, much, much distress to this dad and his, and his son. The, spirit, the text goes on. And wherever the spirit, whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground, foams at the mouth, and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. All of, those, all, of you, all of us, especially, that are parents, what torment is that to us if we see our children suffering in that way? So, consequently, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. So he's still possessed by this evil. Now, why couldn't his disciples do it? If you read the, read the Gospels, they had already cast out demons out of other people. So we don't know if this demon was more powerful, if their faith wasn't as strong, if God had something in store. We don't know why. We just know that they couldn't do it. So Jesus said to them, <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I think frustration is maybe my frustration. If it's not a sin, it leads to sin of anger. Well, Jesus really seems to be frustrated here, and we know he can't sin. Jesus said to them, You're, you faithless people, how long must I be, be with you? Sounds frustrating, right? How long must I put up with you? 
said, bring the boy to me. All right, you couldn't handle it, I'll take care of it. Which is wonderful that God takes care of things we can't handle, right? So the text goes on. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, okay, <laughs> this is fascinating to me. Uh, when the evil spirit came in contact with Jesus, he knew, he knew his time was up. So he threw the child into violent convulsion. He fell to the ground and writhing and foaming at the mouth. Kind of one last ditch effort. And Jesus asked the father, okay, how long has this been going on? Next verse. Maybe it's just happened. Maybe it's been happening for a while. Maybe it's been happening a long time. How long has this been happening? <clears throat> the father responds. We don't know how long. We just know how often. The spirit often throws. Next verse. Often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. So he has these convulsions. It's either near a fire and tries to get the body to fall into the fire or near water where he could drown. And so the father, the distraught father says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. That's my question. I don't know if you can or not, but I'm hoping that you can help my son. So I put on your outline, God would rather you and I run to him, go to him with our questions, than run away from him with our doubts and our questions. What does it happen in your life when you have doubts and questions? Is it, do you run to God? Do you seek? Or do you say, okay, God, if you're not going to fix this, thanks, but no thanks. Really important for us. The bigger our questions, the faster to run to Almighty God with those questions. So first we question. Secondly, how do we grow in trust in God we cannot see? You pray. What do you do? You ask. So this father is asking for help. And the way we ask God for help is by prayer, right? Back to the text. Jesus' response is interesting. What do you mean? Duh. <laughs> if I can. I'm God. Of course, God didn't know he was God. You and I. 2,000 years later, know that. But he didn't know. He called him teacher. Um, thought he was a miracle worker. <clears throat> Anything is possible if a person believes. Nothing is impossible. Basically what he's saying, right? So, what is the, what is the father's prayer? The father instantly cries out, the next verse, I do believe, that's why I came, I do believe, I'm trusting you can do this, but help me overcome my unbelief. I already saw the disciples not be able to help me. So I'm kind of wavering here. I have some faith. I don't know if it's enough faith. Help me overcome the lack of faith that I might be experience. Now, something I didn't mention last week that I need to mention is faith is a gift, right? I can't conjure up faith. <laughs> faith comes from God. So his prayer is, You've given me some faith. I don't know if it's enough. Please give me enough. My son is suffering. And how did Jesus respond to him? How does he respond to you and I when we're struggling with our faith? In this case, he said it's okay. And he heals his son. He casts out the demon. In your case, in my case, it's the same. Jesus is going to say, ah, get out of here until you have more faith. That's not the way God responds to us. He responds to the prayer, the desire for more faith. And so, the, and 
people go away, and then Jesus gets together with his disciples. He's mentoring these guys, right? They're going to take over when he, he's gone. So afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Interesting question, right? We did it once, can't do it. Next time we couldn't do it. Jesus said, this kind come, can be cast out only by prayer. Prayer seems to be the key that unlocks faith, right? Since faith is a gift from God. So we question, that's fine, that's good, seek, seek from God. Cry out to God, pray. I don't understand God, I need your help, I need some explanation, whatever it might be. Now most of us do that, don't we? We, we question God, we question the situation, uh, we, we pray for clarity if nothing else. But here's where I think we fall short. And this is a critical part. How do you grow in trust in God you cannot see? You surrender. You surrender. Now we see that word surrender, it's kind of a negative word, right? It's like, I give up, I'm not trying anymore. But that's not what the word surrender means at all. In fact, it's just, just the opposite of that. On your outline, it's choose to trust God when you don't understand. All right? Okay, I don't understand. I got my question. I'm praying, but I'm going to trust you anyway. That's not giving up. Trust is not giving up. Uh, powerful verse, or, or two verses, passage in Proverbs talks about trusting the Lord. <clears throat> Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's surrender. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, <clears throat> what's the problem with our own understanding? It's limited, right? I understand some things or other things I don't understand. And so when I don't understand, where can I get more understanding. Well, as Jesus follower, followers, we have a whole book here to help us understand, right? It tells us about God and what we should expect and what we should do, etc. You can uh, seek counsel from, from wise people or wise counsel. But the problem of our understanding is so limited, especially you guys. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you thought something was a good idea and it turned out to be stupid? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> We've all done that, right? Our wives, if you're married, can testify to that, right? Shake your head, lady. Absolutely. So our understanding is limited. And so I put on your outline, don't depend on what's limited. If you have another option, then we have another option. So what is trust? The little literal uh, not Greek, it's Old Testament. Hebrew word means this, to stretch out, to bow face down before God. It has the implication of a servant coming and bowing before his master, waiting for instructions, waiting for commands. It'd be commands to the servant, right? So that's what our trust is. We come before God and we ask, okay, what do you need me to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm waiting until you give me Marching orders. I put on your outline, trusting God doesn't mean that you always get what you want. Parents, this is easy for us to understand, right? Your kids come to you with all kinds of stupid 
Not stupid, maybe silly request, right? Like, can, <laughs> like uh, can I have candy for dinner? And as a parent, you don't give your kids candy for dinner, right? Because why? You have a greater understanding of the needs of the body and what the body needs to consume, so you make them have, eat their vegetables, right? And our kids sometimes sit at that table a long time trying to get those vegetables down, right? Uh, if they don't want to brush your teeth, you say, no, you got to brush your teeth. So, I uh, want to stay up all night. Now, the, the, the list is endless, right? You have greater understanding. You're the parent. You got greater wisdom. So, you make these decisions. So, often you tell them no, right? It's not because you don't love them or don't want what's best for them. It's because you do want what's best for them. Same thing when we're trusting God. Because He's almighty and He's all-powerful and he, He's always loving. So I put on your outline, trusting God means that no matter what happens, good or bad, you believe that God loves you. He's proven that on the cross, right? And he is working all things for good. Now, do bad things happen? Bad things happen all the time, right? So how do you and I deal with that? How do we deal with trusting a God we cannot see? We have a wonderful promise in Romans 8.28. <clears throat> for we know, <laughs> it says we know, we should know this, right? That God causes everything to work together for the good. <clears throat> Not everything is good. There's a lot of stuff that isn't good. But even God can take the stuff that isn't good and work it out for something good. Now, this, is, this has got a caveat. This is not for everyone. This is a promise to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So if you're a Jesus follower, you can claim that promise. You should know this. You shouldn't doubt this. If you're not a Jesus follower, it doesn't apply to you. We pray you would come one and then it would apply to you, right? It's dependent on God's character, right? Is God loving? Is he good? Is he all-powerful and all-knowing? If he is, then he can do that, right? He can do what's even the impossible. Now again, with your kids who want to eat the candy, your job isn't to make your kids happy all the time. Is it, parents? No. And it's, God's, it's not God's job to make us happy all the time. We say it this way. God's more concerned about your character than your comfort. You're more concerned about your children's character than their comfort. You don't unduly give them pain or suffering or withdraw what's good for them. But you know what's best for them, better for them than they know. And we're to believe that God knows what's best for us better than we do. So back to David. What did he say again? Some of us trust in chariots and some in horses. But we need to trust in the name of the Lord our God. So when we're struggling trusting God, we ask the questions, we pray, and then we surrender. And Jesus gives us a beautiful illustration of this on the cross. He's on the cross. One of the last things he said is this, my God, my God, why? Even Jesus on the cross asked the question, why? Why have you forsaken me? And we don't understand that this was probably the greatest suffering that Jesus did, to be separated from his father. Never happened before. He had the physical pain, but this this uh, emotional pain, this spiritual pain would have been, been the worst. 
So he cried out, why? And then one other thing he said on the cross was this. He called out with a loud voice, which means he prayed, right? Started this prayer with, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I surrender, right? It was a prayer of surrender. Back in the garden, he prayed that prayer, right? I don't want to die, God. Why do I have to die? Your will be done, not mine. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, the places that you and I, or the areas that you and I fear the most, worry the most, fret the most, are anx most anxious about, those are the areas that you and I trust God the least. And it's different for everybody. Some people really struggle financially. And they have a hard time trusting God financially. Some people with their bodies, they have a hard time trusting God. They run off to the doctors all the time, hoping the doctor can fix them. And their trust is in doctors more than God. Now, I love doctors and we go to doctors. But they're not the end all. Maybe your struggle is in some relationship. And you fear that God's not going to fix your marriage or God's not going to bring you someone to marry. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your children. In our case, maybe grandchildren. You fear that the relationship's not going to be restored. The areas that you and I have the greatest fear are the areas we are trusting God the least. Those are the areas we need to question God. Okay, why, why am I struggling here? Pray that prayer and then surrender on your outline. Even though I don't understand the plan, I trust God has a purpose. God's got a bigger plan, a better plan. Speaking of trust, trust isn't passive. It's not giving up. It's not just stopping. It's active. It's actively waiting, eagerly waiting. Okay, God, just tell me the next step. As soon as you tell me the next step, I'm going to take it. That's trust. So again, I don't know where you're struggling. I don't know where your greatest fears are, your greatest anxiety. Again, it could be physical, it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be spiritual. Maybe you're struggling with believing that God even exists. People are, what are they calling it? Undoing their, 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 their beliefs. So, on your outline, when you're struggling, one of the reasons is your knowledge, personal relationship with God. It's hard to trust God when you can't see Him. All right, that's given. But it's easier to trust Him when you know Him, when you have a relationship with Him. See, the first time I ever met any of you, I didn't trust you. First time you met me, you didn't trust me. Didn't have any experience, right? Didn't know if I was trustworthy. I didn't know if you were trustworthy. Over the years, and some of you I've known a long time, I, I can trust you. And hopefully you can trust me. Why? Because you know me. And you know I'm trustworthy. And we need to learn that know, and come to know God is trustworthy. So how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? Well, the psalmist put it this way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, I always can go here. God, I'm struggling to trust you. Let me see if, what I can read in here about trusting. I'm going to give you a couple specific examples here. 
Maybe you're feeling weak. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're run down. Can I trust you? What's he promised us in Isaiah? Those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. They rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They run without growing weary. They walk without getting tired. You ever kept going when you didn't think you had the energy to keep going? It's fascinating, isn't it? God promises us that. Of course, we all need to rest. Maybe you're feeling about hopeless about something. Maybe when those, one of those struggles or battles you're going through right now, it just seems hopeless. It's never going to change. What does he promise us in Jeremiah? For I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you. Remember his plan? Not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. With God, there's always hope. And maybe you're sorrowing right now. You're in, in, in tears. Maybe you're in anguish about something. Um, <clears throat> again, in the psalmist, what's the promise we have from God? Weeping may endure for a night. Everything is for a season, right? Nothing is forever. But a shout of joy comes in the morning. There's better times ahead. Reminded me of an old phrase. I don't know if this is from a song or where it is from, but... I don't know what the future holds. Anybody know what the future holds? Anybody know what tomorrow's going to bring? No, no, it's no. That's okay, though. I know who holds the future. And he's a loving, caring, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing God. So I don't need to fear the future. So how do you grow in your trust in a God you cannot see? Your question. I'm going to do that anyway. You pray, and then you surrender. So that's my challenge for you this week. Pick that battle. Maybe, maybe you don't want to pick your toughest battle, but pick one of those battles that you're going through right now and choose that. use this, I don't call it a formula, but use this process. Go ahead and question God, pray, and most importantly, then surrender. I encourage you to do that. Let me pray with you now. Uh, Father God, thank you. We thank you that you're trustworthy even though we can't see you. And those of us that have been kind of walking with you, have been believers for a long time, it seems like we should be able to trust you completely because you've proven yourself trustworthy. But we still have our fears and doubts and anxieties and worries. Forgive us. We pray that we would trust you. And God, we would pray for anyone here who's never stepped across that line to trust you with their eternity, trust you with their shortcomings, their failings, their sins. That just now, they would understand and acknowledge the fact that they need you for forgiveness. They need you for eternal life. And they'll accept the, uh, ex understand and accept the fact that this is a free gift. Just say yes to Jesus. Uh, most of us are Jesus followers, God, and we, we have our questions. Oh, do we have our questions? We have our battles. We have our struggles. We pray that we don't need to go through those alone. You're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you, God. We believe. Help our unbelief. Thank you for answering that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.